Welcome everyone, it's Russ Calzo, Chronicles of the End Times. Thank you for joining me today as we continue our study in the book of Revelation. Today we're going to be looking at chapter 4. Now chapter 4 takes us to the next step or the next level, the next portion of this book. Where now we're going to be looking at the things that will take place in the future. So John has looked at the churches. He's looked at the things that are happening now. And now he's moving on to the things that are going to happen in the future. So let's read it together. Starting with chapter 4, verse 1. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had heard first speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were twenty-four other thrones. Seated on them were twenty-four elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne, flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. So let's take it from there. Those first five verses have quite a bit in them to talk about. It's interesting to note that the first verse opens and closes with the same words. After this. The Greek words here are metatauta meaning after these things. He's specifically telling them, you know, after these things that you just wrote, that I just told you, this is what's going to take place. And we see the kind of the divisions that the Spirit is breaking everything down way back in chapter 1, verse 19. Write therefore what you have seen, this is what he's telling John, what is now and what will take place later. And he uses the same Greek words, metatauta, meaning after these things. So he's repeating, the Spirit of the Lord is repeating. And when he repeats something, you know, we really need to listen. We obviously need to listen the first time. But when the Spirit of the Lord begins to repeat things, he wants us to focus in on what he's saying. He's saying, after these things, I'm going to show you what's going to happen next. So the things we're going to look at now are the things of the future. All right, he's dealt with, you know, the things that are going on in the churches, the persecution. He dealt with the different types of churches, the seven different types of churches. And we've dealt with the seven time periods in on the timeline of the church of Jesus Christ. So now we're moving forward. He calls him to come up. He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day in chapter one. But here we see, he says, At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven. So John was already in the Spirit, as we learned in chapter 1, but now he's taken to another level. He sees this door opened up. And what does this mean? Well, there's a couple things that uh, it could mean. One, it could signify, like uh, many believe, that it signifies the rapture of the church, that God has dealt with the church. He's talked about the church he's talked about the things that are and now he's talking about the things that will come in the future and many believe that he sees this open door in heaven 
obviously, that Jesus created. He's the door through his sacrifice. He's, he sees this door open, and he says, come up here. And it's he has the voice of a trumpet. So many believe that it's symbolic of the rapture. It may be, but it also may be that he's calling him up to another level so he can look and see from God's perspective and how important that is for us in everyday life. We need to try to look from God's perspective. And sometimes it's very difficult for us. You know, we get in the middle of of really hard times or maybe sicknesses, different things come into our lives. But if we allow ourselves to get mired down in that, then we're not going to be able to see from God's perspective. And we need to be able to see that, to see what God wants us to do and how he wants us to pray. Another interesting fact is in our study, the first three chapters, uh, we heard the, the word church used 19 times. However, the word is never used again until chapter 22. And this could also be more evidence that the church age was over. And now God was going to begin testing and purifying the nation of Israel and, of course, the rest of the world, as we see in Daniel's 70th week. It's called Jacob's Trouble in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. So we know that this time is specifically for Israel. Yes, the whole world is going to be tried and tested, as we read in uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, when he was talking to the church of Philadelphia. Yes, the whole world's going to be tested, but this is really designed to bring Israel back to him. It's known as the Messianic Woes or the Great Tribulation, which is more uh, what we're used to hearing. And so he sees this great rainbow in heaven, and he sees the glory of God. I love the fact that he sees a rainbow in heaven. You know, God is a covenant keeper, right? He said to Noah, he said, you know, I'm not going to do this again to the earth. I'm not going to flood it and wipe out all its people. We know that the next uh, great move of God as far as judgment is fire, you know, but he's never going to flood the earth again. He made that promise. So what does he do? He he's, this sees this is right before him. He keeps his covenant right before him. And I find great comfort in that. You know, this, this rainbow also re- represents, you know, the glory of God and the beauty of heaven. But we have to recognize the fact that he's, he specifically says, this is my rainbow. And this throne is in the center and a circle surrounding it. There's 24 other thrones. Now, these are lesser thrones. And seated on them are 24 elders. You see that they're dressed in white. They had crowns of gold on their heads. And these were given to them by Jesus. They're dressed in white, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember, our good deeds amount to nothing. They're like filthy rags. And in order to be dressed properly, we need to be cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And he gives us these robes, these white clothes to wear. And he puts gold crowns on our heads, representing that we have been faithful to him and that these are promises he's given to us to share his glory, to come and rule and reign with him. So it's really a symbolic as well uh, as real in this situation where John is seeing all this. Because you've got to remember that back in the, the letter of the Laodicea that we just uh, studied, He said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. He's telling them, look, this is the only way you're going to 
come and be with me is if you shed all this other stuff of the world and come to me and repent, and I will give you the proper clothes to wear. So you see, there's a lot of evidence to show that these 24 elders are not angels like the other creatures we've seen, but they are the redeemed from the world, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the representative of Israel, redeemed Israel, and the redeemed of the Gentiles. And we see number 12 shows up a lot. In fact, it's 187 times in the Bible and 22 times in the book of Revelation alone. And the number 12 is a number meaning it's a perfect number. It's a complete number. And it's used a lot of times uh, in God's word to represent government, perfect government or foundation uh, for government. And so here we see that the number 12 is used just like it's used later on in the book where we see you know, 12,000 of each tribe making up the 144,000 uh, witnesses that the Bible talks about later on in this book. The number 12 means completeness. It doesn't necessarily mean there were 12,000 from each tribe specifically. I think it means more that it's a complete, it's a complete number. There's a complete number from each tribe. God didn't leave anybody out. That later on in chapter 21 of Revelation, the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles, their names are written on the New Jerusalem. They're engraved in the New Jerusalem. It really becomes quite evident that this, they are not angels, but they represent both the New and the Old Testament of the redeemed of the Lord. And to me, that's a beautiful picture of unity between Israel and the redeemed Gentiles. So now around the throne, he sees flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, you see seven lamps that were blazing. They are the seven spirits of God. And we talked about that from Isaiah in uh, the past uh, podcast. And these represent the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so here we see the throne has everything. It's the, see, we see the power and the awesomeness of God, the wisdom of God, the fullness of the Spirit of God all around and as John must be just taken back by all this. I mean, it's the glory that he is seeing from this new perspective. And also before the throne, he sees like a sea of glass. It's like crystal in the center. And all around the throne were four living creatures. And they had, they were covered with eyes in front and back. I mean, <laughs> he must have been freaking out. Imagine seeing this. I mean, you know, we're just human beings down here with limited uh, ability to see the spiritual world. And here John is taken up and he's showing this incredible scene. And he describes these living creatures. He says, first is like a lion and the second was like an ox and the third had a face of a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. And so what does this all mean? Well, many believe, and I believe as well, that they're representative of the Gospels. And what does that mean? That they're representative of Jesus Christ, they're attributes of Jesus Christ. Now, we know that all the Gospels are in harmony, yet, you know, many people say, well, well they're different. This says this, this says that. Well, put yourself in that place. There's four different people describing the things that Jesus did. And yes, they were uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, of course. But it gives you four different perspectives. And I believe that's why we have the four Gospels, because we see Christ 
in different ways through these eyes of the authors. You know, we see him as the Lion of Judah in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew likes to paint him as the King of Israel. And we see him as the ox, the suffering servant in the Gospel of Mark. You know, Mark likes to show him as the servant of God and all the sacrifices he did. And we see him as the son of man in the Gospel of Luke, the face of a man, because he came for us as a sinless man. And then we see him, lastly, as the eagle, this other face, was a face of an eagle. And we see that in John's writing. He writes him in a lofty and a soaring perspective, high above, you know, looking down kind of at a spiritual level. He likes to display the divinity of Christ. He likes to show all the divine attributes of Jesus. So here we have these four different perspectives, but all painting a great picture of Jesus Christ. And you can compare these scriptures in Ezekiel uh, and in Isaiah. Now, I think it's important for us uh, to read those right now. Because yeah, Ezekiel and Isaiah, they see these similar type of visions as John saw only hundreds and hundreds of years prior. So let's take a look at Ezekiel chapter 1 and just those few verses 4 through 10. He says, I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal, and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was that of a man, but each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, their feet were like those of a calf, and gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had hands of a man. All four of them had faces and wings, and their wings touched one another. Each one went straight ahead. They did not turn as they moved. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a man on the right side, and the face of a lion on the left side, and the face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle. So you see that Ezekiel's taken up in this vision, and he sees these same creatures. Which, you know, what an incredible sight. You know, God does some incredible things. You know, we we see creatures on this earth that we marvel at. You know, deep in the depths of the ocean, they find these fish that are strange-looking fish with lights on them and all this stuff. And, and we see these exotic animals in the great uh, rainforests of this world. And so God is amazing in the things that he designs. And here we see these are his heavenly creatures that he's designed. And they represent these different attributes of Jesus Christ as well. And then in Isaiah chapter 6, we see another similar vision. Isaiah says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs. Each had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Wow. We're seeing some incredible things, these visions of both these prophets. And now... They match up with what John is seeing. 
you know, and we can take these apart and say different things, and there's there's different opinions on on what this all represents. But I think we can all be on the same page and say it's a dramatic, dramatic and an incredible picture of the glory of God and the things of heaven. And so John is really, you know, blown away by this. And he sees that whenever these creatures give glory to God, the 24 elders lay their crowns down. And here we see the the redeemed of God laying their crowns back down. Why? Because Jesus gave them the crowns and they're acknowledging, hey, you know what? You gave us these great clothes to wear. You know, you made us feel righteous, you know, in your righteousness. You've crowned us like like kings and priests, you know. But God, this is all you. Jesus, this is all you. You did this. You opened the door for us for salvation. You gave us these crowns. You you lavished us in your love and your generosity. And so, you know, we're going to lay these back down, just representing that, yes, thank you for the gifts, Lord, and I know they're for us for eternity, but we're going to symbolically give them back to you because, you know, we want everyone to know that these were your gifts to us and that how humble we are to receive them. So it's it's just a dramatic and wonderful scene in chapter 4. This sets the scene for what's going to happen next. This is like John just opening the door. You know, he walked through the door that Jesus opened, and all of a sudden, boom, here's this glory. Here's this these creatures giving glory to God, and he is just blown away, I'm sure, at this point in time. You know, God has got his complete attention, and now he's going to go on to describe the scroll of the Lamb in chapter 5. So that'll be the next place we'll go. So until next time, I really appreciate you uh, reading along with me and studying along with me. And I hope you're being blessed by it. And also, if you haven't yet, check out Hidden Thrones on Amazon, my latest series. It's book one is out now. I believe it'll be a real blessing to you. It'll open our eyes, hopefully, to the things that we do not see that are going on in this spiritual world. God bless. Until next time, this is Russ Galzo, Chronicles of the End Times. Talk to you soon.